There are 66 books in the Bible, and you probably heard a sermon from every one of them except for this one. All right, and you might be knowing what I'm going to refer to now. We want to take a look at um, uh, the Song of Solomon and what the scriptures have to say and take a look at this book here and the message that is here. This is one of the most misunderstood books, overlooked books in the Bible. Um, A lot of people struggle with wondering why this book belongs in scripture, why it's there in the first place. And uh, I think that's a good question. Um, But this is what we see here. The Song of Solomon teaches us about the beauty of marriage and teaches us about the beauty of love and also is very much giving instruction to young women and specifically is directed to young unmarried women to wait for the right time to marry and to remain pure. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of poetry in this text. And I think as you, I'm trying to this morning, get you to read it and look back on it. You got eight chapters there. They're not too long. And think about these scriptures. A lot of ideas have been, a lot of things have been spoken about the meaning of this book and a lot of discussion over it. So this morning we're going to have, I think, a very interesting study to look at the subject of the Song of Solomon and take a look at some of the passages here, uh, what Solomon has revealed as his best of his songs that he has written. Um, Before we do that, I ask that you pray with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather together on the first day of the week. We stand in awe of you of your great power. You are almighty. And that on the first day of the week, you bless your son to rise from the grave to give us eternal life. Father, we thank you that we can assemble and have assembled in the name of your son. And we thank you that we have the ability to study scripture and to look at the things and the beautiful things that you have designed uh, for the home and for the family and for marriage. And Father, we thank you for every book of the Bible and we ask your blessings upon us this morning that we will understand the scriptures better, that we will apply them to our lives, and we will live them out every day. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Do you need wisdom to see uh, beauty in God's creation? Uh, that's a question to think about. And it's definitely true. I need the wisdom. And Solomon demonstrates this. He, he looks at the beauty of life. And there's a lot of things about the Song of Solomon that stand out. You get a picture of the fruits, the smells, the things, the fragrances. Uh, a, a great picture of what ancient Israel would have looked like, what it would have looked like in the spring there at this time from this book. So beautiful description here. And this is considered his greatest of songs. And as I count, I see one reference to the name of God in the text. But God's design is throughout Another thing that stands out to me when I'm studying the Song of Solomon is I'm putting it also next to the book of Ecclesiastes. When I read the book of Ecclesiastes, and I did a sermon on Ecclesiastes about a year ago, if you remember that. Um, Actually, the article that was in the paper that has been published was from that sermon and based off of that. And if you want to take a look at it, you can. But I think Ecclesiastes is a great book that gives us meaning and purpose in life, tells us how to have joy, especially for men, how to have joy in life. Uh, by being obedient and faithful to our Creator while whatever labor or whatever um, endeavors we have in life that God has given for us to enjoy. Uh, Along with that, we have the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. And here you have a description of the beauty of marital love. And I'm going to describe it as marital love even before someone is married. This love, this romantic love, is is a part of God's design. And it has a proper place and a right place in the Christian life. And it is a good thing. It is a beautiful thing from God. So we're going to take a look at that. 
So we're going to look at the wisdom for marital love. And let's go over to Song of Solomon. And we're going to read the first chapter, verses 1 through 17, and draw some observations from, from this text. So Song of Solomon. And I'm going to be using the English Standard Translation. What you'll notice here as well, and kind of give a little bit more introduction to Song of Solomon, you've got um, these little subtitles. And if you have... Um, and they're put in, there, put in there by the translators. If you have the ESV, it's going to say she, which is this young Shulamite woman. She's speaking in song. And then she's speaking to her beloved. All right? And her beloved, if you have the ESV, will say he. And then when you get to a chorus where it's spoken in plural, you'll have to say others. Now, if you have the New King James translation, you're going to notice something different here. It's going to say the Shulamite woman as a heading. It's going to say Solomon as the beloved. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Um, and then you're going to see a passage that says this is the chorus speaking. And so I've always thought about this is that if someone took this song and it very much has six different scenes into it and, and made it into a musical, what it would look like. And that's usually what's going through my mind when I'm thinking and reading through this text. But you've got this back and forth of um, specifically the woman singing to her and speaking to her beloved and he's speaking in return. And then there's a chorus of others who are speaking along with it. And there's a number of lessons we want to draw from this as well. But let's go on and get into the text and read it. Um, again, I'm reading from the ESV this morning. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1. And it begins. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. That's she. She says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you and let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. The others say, We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love, do they love you. She continues, she says, I am very dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where, your pasture, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? And the beloved, he responds and he says, If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's, the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. And others respond, now We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. And she, she continues, the young woman, she says, While the king was, a, was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna, of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. He responds, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful, and your eyes are doves. In verse 16, she responds, Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Our couch is green, the beams of our house are cedar, and our rafters are pine. And then just the next verse in the chapter 2. She says, I am the rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. There's a lot of different thoughts about the meaning of this book. And when you read it, you see a lot of be um, beautiful poetry there. 
and trying to understand what's going on. Some have said this is describing God's relationship with His people. And I think that analogy does, needs more support behind it. When we look at the Scriptures, the Bible does not teach that and doesn't teach it here that this is specifically about God and His relationship to His people or to Christ and His church. There's definitely some application there. The meaning there, I think, is going to stand out because there's a refrain in here teaching the daughters of Jerusalem that they are to, to not stir up um, this love until it's time. And you get this beautiful description of this love between her, between this Shulamite woman and her beloved. And as you have read there, and you might have noticed this, she asked her beloved, while she's in the king's chambers, she's asking her beloved, where are you and where do you let your pastors graze? Um, there are two views today on regards to this. Some see this as Solomon talking to one of his wives. And that would be, I think, a little bit strange for us to be, I think, uh, drawing wisdom from that. And some have said it might have been his first wife. And of course, you know Solomon, he had a thousand wives. And that's a, a, a kind of a crazy thing in a way that we would look to what Solomon and his wisdom on the matter. But it appears to many, and much of scholarship has gone this direction, that they believe that this is talking about this young woman who's tended these vineyards, and she's in love with a beloved shepherd. And now she's being appealed to by Solomon, that she could um, kind of uh, being, try to be wooed away. But she here is fascinated and committed and loyal to her beloved shepherd. We're going to draw some messages from this, but I want you to notice the things that we just read here and think about it a little bit closer. These are some observations. Again, when it says the Song of Songs, what he's saying here is this is the best of Solomon's songs. And so that's how the text is introduced. All right, the Song of Psalms opens again with that young woman describing, and she adores who? And if you're going through your, the sheet on the bulletin, you feel this in, she adores her beloved shepherd. Or you can write beloved there. If, you, if you're taking the position of this is her and talking to Solomon uh, in their marriage, I understand that. You can, you can take that view. But what we see here further is that the young woman introduces herself. Remember, she describes herself as having dark skin, that her brothers put her out in the vineyard, so she's labored hard. And then she says, I haven't tended my own vineyard. And I agree with the commentators that she's saying, I haven't been able to keep up with my appearance like other women have. But she's still described by her beloved as most beautiful among women. And husbands often do that. We see our wives as that's the most beautiful woman. That's the reason we so we started dating her in the first place and we wanted to marry her because of her great beauty. And you see that demonstrated right here about how, how men feel about their wives. And it's a great reminder. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Now, while she's in the king's chambers, so it appears that either she's here and she's uh, meeting with the king and in his, in his bedroom and they're getting ready for, for marriage, or the other position is, is that he's appealing to her and trying to pull her away from anybody else and to make her another among his many wives. If you go to Song of Solomon chapter 6 and verse 8, you see a depiction there of many queens, 60 queens and 80 concubines, and a description of many virgins without number. And it seemed very strange to me that that would be what is being glorified here, that kind of love. But what we do see here is that she wants to know while she's in the chambers, she's looking for her beloved, her shepherd who's pasturing his flock. We read this, that her beloved shepherd recognizes her, and again, as I described, the most beautiful among women is what, how he describes her. And he tells her where to find him. And while the king is upon his couch, she thinks of 
the couch of her beloved. You know, and, and whether you take this as Solomon or not, the couch that she describes there is green. And that the beams and the rafters of the house are of cedars and pines, describing the, the beauty of the outdoors that's, that's throughout. And so if she's talking to her beloved shepherd, she's describing of being with him and being outside in the beauty of Israel. And those are the things that are, are coming out there. And then we see the young Shulamite woman describes her as self, herself as the Rose of Sharon and a lily of the valleys. You might recognize this, right? If you, you sing some of our songs, we often have that description of Christ being described as the, the lily of the valleys or the Rose of Sharon. And I can, I can see that application there. But as we're reading this, she here is having, has this description of, of being, being unique and set apart, and specifically for her beloved and his adoration. So, we read this. We get a good introduction to the book of Song of Songs. Why is it in the Bible? Why is it here in the Scriptures? It's among the, the writings of wisdom. What is it given for us? What are we supposed to draw from this? And I hope that you will go back to this book and look at it. That, as, as Solomon often brings out, there are times in life, there's a time for anything, and what we want to do is recognize that what God has created and what He has made for marriage is very beautiful. And the love that is there is to be respected and adored. These are, these are great things. These are things to take joy in. Just like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, he gives instructions. He says, take joy in the wife of your youth. Yes. So I encourage you. you know, we don't need to you know, put other priorities of life over our marriage. We need to focus upon the one whom we've married to and continue to express that adoration and that love. And that those who are preparing for marriage or outside of marriage, that we continue to respect that institution and the beauty of it. It seems today that many people don't. They put it aside. I keep reading about um, uh, people waiting longer and longer in life to, to marry um, and putting off marriage. And I think in, in wisdom, we want to look at what the Bible has to say on the matter and, you know, there are a number of other scriptures that give us instruction as far as that wisdom about the beauty and the importance of marriage and what God has given to us. But Solomon's wisdom depicts what it is to be also, the Shulamite woman says she's sick with love. And she's lovesick. And she, she points this out, and you see it throughout the text, that she's infatuated with her beloved. And in her infatuation and her lovesickness, she's constantly giving a warning. She, she describes the tension here, but she describes that and she says to the daughters of Jerusalem, she says, you need to wait. Don't stir up love until it pleases, is what she says. And that is throughout the text. She's constantly giving this instruction. Don't, don't move into this and pursue it so eagerly. Don't just run to it because you might be persuaded by the wrong person or the wrong thing. That when you are in love and then you're in this state of love sickness, that this is something to be respected, not to be rushed into, not to be taken lightly, to be a warning of that when it comes that um, you're going to find yourself overwhelmed. So to understand the Song of Solomon, as, we, as I've already mentioned, when you look at the ESV or the New King James translations, I give you little subtitles there to help you. The translators do. The speakers are often either singular and plural, and when you're reading it in Hebrew uh, or even in the Greek uh, translation, you can depict that and pull that out. 
Uh, you also will notice the difference of gender between the speakers and who, who is speaking and who they're speaking to. The plural, the chorus, the others are often the daughters of Jerusalem, but it appears that in the end of the book that it includes the brothers of this young woman who are to be caring for her and taking care of her and learning from her example. Because this woman has waited for the right time for love. She's waited to this point. She's kept her pure, herself pure, kept herself committed to her beloved. And so that it's beautiful. Marriage is beautiful. And she has not given herself to anybody else. And she's not willing to compromise this. And at the end, it shows the responsibility of the family to make sure that young women um, do that. That they're, they're holy and pure and that they have a respect for marriage. So, you know, when I go to Ecclesiastes, I see a lot of the instruction there very much directed toward men. Of course, it includes women as well. But when I read the Song of Songs, it appears to be mostly directed toward um, women, especially young women. But there's a message and teaching for all of us. The Bible challenges us to think. And there's some things that it's hard to express what we feel about them and to understand them. And we need narrative and poetry to understand that. So we have these parables that Jesus gives and he tells us that they're there and they help us those stories help us to have a deeper understanding and the same thing with the song of solomon helps us have a deeper understanding and respect for the beauty of marriage it challenges us through that poetry and the narrative here uh, things that we would not readily accept when we understand the story and we see that's what's being taught here that we can accept it more readily all right here are a number of the passages um it's song 17 that we read this is what that young woman, she's, she says. She says, I charge you, I give you this instruction, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. All right, and you can start to get a picture here. One of the images there is of does and of stags. And so she's saying here, don't go out in the field and be calling in a man when you're not ready yet, when you're not... Um, you're not prepared for that when marriage has not come yet. And she says, until it pleases, and that description there means until it delights, until it is right. And you see it at the beginning of the book, you see it in the middle in chapter 3 and verse 5, and you see it in chapter 8 and verse 4, where she is constantly making this refrain. It's the point, it's the wisdom, it's the instruction of this book, is to give this, these details. In other words, do not go looking for marital love until the time again is, that is delight, because she, she warns about this love sickness that goes on. Now the young woman also declares, she says, my beloved is mine and I'm his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. There's another description that sounds as though he is a shepherd. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of Bether. So again, she says, when she's ready, she's saying, come and pursue me to her beloved, to the one that she loves. Come and pursue me and act like that young stag that's described there. The Solomon's song engages the senses. It depicts the fragrances, the foliage of spring. Gives you a picture of ancient Israel. Gives you a picture of what it would be like when they're married. And it gives uh, and all that beauty is there to show that the beauty of God's creation shows the beauty of, of marriage. And one thing that should stand out to us, and we might be saying, well, I'm not a daughter of Jerusalem. And I'm, you know, who is here who needs to hear this? I think we all need to hear it. We need a constant reminder of what marriage is and that it deserves this beauty. It deserves the romance that is, is a part of it and it is given by God. I think about Song of Solomon here, and here's another description here before we make some more application from the overall text. 
This one is, is, a, is a text that stands out. And it's often used in marriage counseling. And it's Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and verses 2 and following, 2 through 6. And some say, and I think this is right, that what you have here is a picture of this young woman. She's in her bedroom, and she's having a dream. And if you keep reading, I think you'll see that after verse 6. But this is what's, what's happening. She says, I slept, but my head was awake. A sound, my beloved, is knocking Open to me, my sister. She's hearing him speak. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew and my locks with drops of the night. I had put off my garment. So she's speaking. I put off my garment. How could I put it on again? I bathed my feet. How could I soil them? My beloved put his hand to the latch and my heart was thrilled within me. So she appears to be having a dream. Her beloved's come to the door, but she's gotten ready for bed. She's washed her feet. She's all set, and she, she hears him at the door, but she can't just run up and run to the door to greet him. It's given it a depiction of that, that lovesickness that she describes throughout. And when she goes to the door, this is what happens, verses 5 through 6. I rose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh, and on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. So she finally gets up and comes to the door, and he's nowhere to be found. She says, my soul fainted within me when he spoke, and I sought him but found him not. I called him, but he gave me no answer. And so this is often used in marriage counseling to to pick some of the tension that goes on within a marriage relationship, the things that go on, the stress of of, um, being distracted with one thing or another and not committing time to one another. And those, those things can certainly be drawn from this. But what you can see here again is she's in that constant tension looking after her beloved, and describing these things so that people understand what is involved here, especially for, the, for young women. She says here, and as she describes, her beloved pursues her. And in the end, what we read in the story is that they are united in love in, in chapter 8. So this to kind of give our conclusion uh, to the book. And then I'm going to draw some other points out for us this morning. But Song chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. You have a description here, the woman speaking, and she's describing how everybody is perceiving her, probably in her village where she grew up in the vineyard, of her and her beloved. They're apparently married now, and they're coming up from the wilderness. They're coming up from the country. It says, who is that coming up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? Set me as a seal upon your heart, is what she says to her beloved, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. It flashes, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. And if a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. You can't buy it. You can't purchase this. Anybody trying to do that, there's no money that can buy love. But the point here as he comes down to that last chapter is that, again, this is very strong, that marriage is to be respected. Um, and especially by the young. Points of wisdom here. These are the lessons that, and you might see others here in the Song of Solomon, I encourage you to go and read it again. One thing that definitely stands out here is she constantly says, do not stir or awaken love until it pleases, till it's the right time, because one can get lovesick. The teaching in the text is also, in chapter 4 and chapter 8, is that she keeps herself pure and chaste, so to keep oneself chaste for your mate, that there's great beauty in that. You know, the world is telling us today, no, you need to 
do whatever you want, you want with your body, you know, and to be with whoever you want and not wait for marriage. And the teaching throughout the Scriptures is this. No, it's most beautiful when you've waited. Another thing that stands out here is that families, and specifically it says these brothers are asking in chapter 8 about uh, the Shulamite woman, and they say, how can we keep our sister and protect her? And they have a responsibility, she says, that you make sure that she is strong and that she is protected. So family has responsibility for keeping purity among themselves. And that we need to teach young women and young men about waiting for marriage and choosing the right spouse. One thing that also stands out here is it's a constant reminder of what love was. You remember when you were first dating your spouse? You remember that relationship? It's a constant reminder of that, that romance, that marital love when it was new and when it was fresh. Those are good reminders and those are great memories. So keep them. The Bible constantly encourages us to do that and I believe the Song of Solomon clearly does that here. And I think also, thinking about chapter 5 when we read it earlier, is that the text teaches us to understand the affection of marriage, to be there for one another, um, to not let time pass, and uh, to always be there uh, in love for one another. And these things are things that are taught throughout Scripture. And we see from the very beginning, when God created man and woman, and specifically when God created man on that first day of creation, God looks at man, and what does He say? He says, it is not good that man be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So God created, He instituted marriage. He made woman. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, we read there that the two are to come together and become one flesh. God instituted marriage and is to be respected between one man and one woman. I think about Proverbs 18 and verse 22, again from Solomon. The writer says, Who who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And thank God for your spouse. Thank God for your wife. God has given her to you. And that's a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing. We need to respect marriage and our love and our relationship and, and not ignore it, not let it get by us or not be distracted by things in the world. Some may um, have the blessing as well. The Bible talks about, remember Paul in 1 Corinthians? And we have the example of Christ and Paul being single in their life, or at least Paul in part. But there's nothing wrong with living the single life and being committed and devoted to your Lord. And we read that also in the Scriptures. But these are things to keep in mind as we think about the Song of Solomon, the wisdom that is there. And to listen to the charge that is in the text, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And that would certainly be true if you're married, that you're not stirring up love with anybody else, that you're not pursuing anything like that, because you know what's going to happen. You know, I hear of those who have not been faithful, and they just say, I lost control of myself. I don't know what happened. It overcame me. And before they know it, they've been exposed and in and living in, in this sin that they've gone into. Now, we have constant warning in Scripture about that. And this book is a great text to encourage us to wait, to make sure that our love main, remains in marriage. But marital love and sexual desires, again, are meant and they are, have been designed and they're put there for marriage and they've been put there by God. And it is a good thing. And that's what we see in the Song of Solomon. I want to finish this morning with this passage here from the words of Christ. Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, as Christ reflects upon the institution of marriage, this is what he says. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. From the beginning of creation, God intended this. He made it. Therefore, a man 
shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Where therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Amen. The great respect, the design that, that God has put into marriage, the respect that we should have for it, is demonstrated there in the words of Christ, that we uphold it and we keep it the way that God has designed it. And the Song of Solomon helps us to do that. I encourage you this morning, uh, while we definitely want to wait and definitely not um, stir up love when it is not right and when it doesn't delight, there's no time that we should be putting off salvation. And I encourage you this morning to listen to the words. Listen to what Ananias said to Paul in Acts 22, verse 16. He says to him, Why do you wait? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We encourage you this morning. You need prayers, you need encouragement, you need to put on Christ in baptism. You can come right now. Let's sing together.